Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Think Great Experience. I'm glad you're joining us today because we've got another amazing episode for you. I am very fortunate to have somebody that I had the opportunity to meet a little while ago. Uh, so much energy, so much passion. Chris Mitchell is the VP of Norcom Mortgage. He is also involved with the Veterans Ranch, which we're going to come back to that. He is a self-proclaimed amateur actor and has some political aspirations. And that's just the name of a few of the great things he's done. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. I am, uh, I'm super fascinated by your, your energy, your focus, your drive. And uh, for those that don't know about Norcom Mortgage, can you tell us a little bit about where you work and what your role is there? Sure. So we are a privately held um, independent mortgage company. We are direct seller and servicer. Uh, for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, FHA, veterans, uh, mortgages, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, what that means is that when we write a mortgage, we generally will keep it on our books and we'll, we'll be the one that you deal with for, for the life of the loan, um, you know, most of the time. So uh, why that's helpful is that, is that uh, you actually have a personal connection to, to your bank, uh, to the person who, who takes care of your house. And, uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves on that. You can call our servicing department, uh, and they'll answer usually on the first ring and, and help you personally. I got to think uh, that people love that. Yeah, I, I, most people love that, yeah. Because we're all familiar with getting a loan, and then it's sold off the next month, and whoop, it's with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, that 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 rarely happens with us. It, it, you know, sometimes it, it, it does, depending on depending on exactly what it is. But if you tell us you don't want that to happen, we can we can certainly make sure that we keep it on our books. That's no problem. Great. And you've been with them, I'm sorry, how long have you been with them? I've been with them for almost two years. And prior to that, I was with a much larger uh, other mortgage company. And prior to that, I spent uh, the majority of my career in the real estate business. So I've been a real estate broker uh, representing sellers and buyers uh, for much longer than I've been in the banking side of the business. But I understand that both, both the disciplines and I, I maintain both licenses just so that, so that I'm, I'm always familiar with what's going on. Well, the, the your industry right now is uh, facing some challenging times, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. We're, we're um, I believe this year mortgage volume is down sixty seven percent versus mm -hmm. last year, and last year wasn't very good either. So uh, we've had a couple of couple of rough years. Uh, the uh, spike in interest rates that we've seen um, that that you know is not just a US phenomenon, but but really is impacting our business here, uh, has has uh, been uh, devastating. Um, we've yeah. seen quite a few bank failures. We've seen um, a good number of mortgage companies completely go out of business or exit yeah. entirely. Uh, you know, we've seen the, the biggest operator in the country, uh, I won't name them, but they're, they're a big bank with a covered wagon. Uh, and they, they let go <laughs> something like 8,000 people so far yeah. this year. Uh, we're not doing that. We're actually growing. Our business is up. Uh, we focus on working with home buyers rather than with people looking to refinance. Uh, though we still do that and we still do all kinds of things uh, to help, for instance, to help seniors stay in their homes uh, what, by, who may benefit from a reverse mortgage for people 55 or over. Uh, we offer all kinds of things like that. Um, but uh, because we take that approach that we're, we are a consultative rather, you know, we're an educator rather than yeah. a seller. Um, that's, that's how we, we maintain our business and grow it. Uh, that's how I train the people that work for me to, to approach the business. And because of that, we're, we're still seeing that we're having an okay year, despite all the carnage in the industry. Well, I'm sure the messaging to your people has got to be 
so important right now because they're, you know, anybody in that industry, anybody that's heard of that industry, all you have to do is turn on the TV, read the newspaper, check out anything online, and they can hear the doom and gloom. But here you are, you guys are growing. So what type of messaging do you send out to people? Let's say your internal people, your own your own team members, um, when there's this much of a turn in the market. Like, how do you help keep people positive? So the way that I look at it is, is that, you know, there is still business happening in a bad market. There's still people buying and selling homes every single day. Uh, we're fortunate to live in South Florida. That's where my team is based. Uh, the state of Florida, we're actually averaging 804 new residents per day coming in from elsewhere in the United States alone. That doesn't even include the folks coming in from other countries. So just on domestic, we're gaining 804 people per day. So we have a strong housing market here. Yes, it's a little bit down from where it was a couple of years ago. It's still very, very strong. And actually we're seeing in places like Palm Beach County where I'm located uh, that the percent of homes that were bought with a mortgage has for the first time ever, uh, or at least in recent years, uh, topped the number bought with cash. So, oh. so that's that's pretty amazing. So despite the fact that, yeah, okay, there is some doom and gloom out there. Yeah, you know, there's still plenty of business to be had, right? And yep. and uh, and the people who are going to get it are the ones who show up for work every day and know about different products and different things that we can do to provide solutions to our customers, right? That's that's where we are. You Absolutely. know, it's just simply a matter of you know you pivot, right? When something goes wrong, you you find right. you find where there's right and you go there. Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting because I get I have the opportunity to go all over the country and 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 speak with people in different industries, but. Anytime there's a shift in the market, there's always a lot of woe is me. And then you have a few people, these, what I call them business warriors, and, and they realize that there's more work out there. They just have to work a little harder for it. You got to go find it. Yeah, you got to go find it and you got to find, uh, you know, some innovation and, and some some things that are that are a little bit outside of the box, you know, to, to use a very... <laughs> to use a cliche, um, it, it's it's what works sometimes, right? Um, it, it simply is a matter of, you know, look, we're not going to have a year industry-wide like we did in 2020 for, for quite a while. And that's okay. That's okay. That doesn't mean uh, that, doesn't mean that you know, look, it, it was easy money back then. I, I will admit it. It was, it was easy money. You put out your flag and, 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 uh, and business just flooded in, into you for, for, you know, just for being open. Uh, it's not going to work that way now. And that's a good thing for those of us who are willing to actually put in the time, put in the work and chase the business down. We're going to do okay. And we're going to do well. And we're going to build good relationships with not only with our end clients, but also with our trade partners, those people in the real estate business, title attorneys, all of that. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us to really get to know each other and figure out how to work together. Uh, while, while, while we're not, you know, experience a crazy rapid pace. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I feel that in any industry, when there's a shift in the marketplace, um, I feel that it opens up so many new opportunities if people are just willing to stick it out. But then I find that marketplaces like this in any industry tend to thin out the herd. People quit. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as the going gets tough, they get going. And uh, so for those that stay in the industry, I, I heard you say opportunity already a number of times. So who knows? After this episode airs, you may have some people moving out to Florida. You never know. I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm in Minnesota. We've lost plenty to, to Florida. So uh, they're going down there in droves. So you guys are doing something right. We, we well, love people from Minnesota. You're all friendly and nice. I mean, you come down here and you're, you act like this is something special. We, we're spoiled. We don't even realize. <laughs> so you are not 
um, immune to facing challenges. You've had challenges in your life before. And, and one of the most significant obstacles that you've overcome, one of the levels of greatness that you've achieved in your life is, is reaching a state of sobriety, which you just celebrated an anniversary on that. Yes. You know, that may be one of the toughest challenges people face. Can you take us on that journey a little bit and how you achieved a level of greatness that you're living right now? Yeah, so uh, you know, something that that I'm very happy to talk about. Um, you know, those of us who have who have suffered with with addiction uh, and recovered from it, you know, it's our great responsibility to to share the story and talk about it and, and help the next person who's out there who's still sick and suffering. Um, and and by the grace of God, that I'm one of those people. Um, what what happened to me um, is that you know I, I ended up finding myself literally at the bottom of a bottle in 2019. Um, everything in my life was kind of going wrong. Uh, I was drinking every day to excess, uh, to the point where it was, it was really, um, it was a problem. Um, you know, I, I was facing, uh, you know, potentially, uh, looking at going to do some jail time, um, if I didn't mend my ways. And, um, I, I ended up here in Florida. I ended up here in Palm Beach County where there is uh, a significant, uh, community of people involved in recovery, both in the professional way and also, in the non-professional way. So, so I started the journey, uh, going to treatment, uh, spent, you know, about 30 days in a residential treatment and then came out of that. And, um, um, you know, I realized while I was there that that was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. And, and I met a lot of people there who were, who were in, in treatment there for, you know, it wasn't their first go around. It was maybe their second, third, fourth, 10th trip through, um, through a, a treatment center. And, and that was, that was the most, the scariest thing that I, I ever encountered. Um, you know, I, I've had the fortune to live all over the world and do some different things. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, I've been in some, some, some places that are not exactly safe. And, um, you know, that, that though was being, being in a treatment center in Florida and meeting people who have been through it 10 times, uh, and still, still, or struggling, that was the scariest thing that I, I ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And and I made the decision right then and there that that, that was could be my only time through it. Uh, and that I was going to do whatever I had to do um, to get better. And have, um, Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, what, what it came down to was, you know, there were plenty of people there who had been through it and, and were happy to share their story and tell me exactly what they did and exactly what I had to do. Um, so that's all I did is I listened to what other people told me to do. I took direction, uh, and, uh, and everything from there went, went in the right direction. And you just celebrated how many years? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Now that, first of all, that takes a lot of, hey, overusing this word too, but courage just to share that and get that out there, especially saying, Hey, I almost, uh, had some jail time because of this. Um, what were the things that you focused on? Like when, when life was at its toughest and you were in those moments, were there things that you focused on? Obviously, there were people in there and you said, well, I don't want to go down that pathway. But were there other things that were filling your head you know, with positive thoughts about anything for the future or people that you focused on? Like, What were your thought processes during that challenging time? Yeah. So, so what it really, you know, comes down to in, in, in the simplest way is, is that, you know, there were people who had been through it before me who, who, you know, spoke to me and they said, and they said, you know, look, I understand this. I've been through this and, and literally told me exactly what I had to do in a very simple way. 
and uh, and and the most the most important of that was that that uh, a guy named Johnny told me that uh, that I needed to find a group of men who also were in recovery, uh, find a sponsor, and and really take on the twelve steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous program, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I found uh, I found a, a group of men uh, who uh, I went to one of their meetings and I saw that they were not only were they sober but they were happy and having a great time and enjoying life. And from there, I found a sponsor, and I got into the the AA Big Book, uh, which what we call it. It's a book. Literally, it's a book. It's not that big. It's only a couple hundred pages, um, and it tells you exactly in that book exactly what you have to do. And one of the things it says right up front is that nobody can understand and talk to one of us like one of us. So, so those of us who have been through it, uh, we have a special connection, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's very similar to people who maybe have been in the military and, and yeah. can can relate to other people sure. um, that have had this shared experience. So so simply it was a matter of doing that. Um, I met uh, I met a gentleman who offered to be my sponsor under three conditions. Um, the first two had to do with you know keeping in contact with him and reading that book, and the third one was that as soon as I understood it to to a to a reasonable extent, I had to be willing to do the same thing with another man, mm. and that's exactly what I did. And so, that's exactly how I approach new people today, the exact same three conditions. Um, and through, through that, you know, I have sponsored dozens of people and they have sponsored dozens of people each. So, so you know, ultimately over four years, we're talking about several hundred people. And it must have been an amazing feeling when you became sober. I mean, for your life to turn around like that, that had to be extremely motivating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it went from, from a, a state of, you know, ending up in Florida at a treatment center, uh, unemployed, unemployable, um, you know, facing possible jail time facing, I, you know, I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't, I mean, uh, you, you name it, uh, it was a problem, uh, to the, to the point of, you know, going through that, uh, you know, kind of doing a reset on, on life and coming out of it, um, you know, and, and starting starting anew. And uh, one of the things that I decided to do um, was to stay here. Um, you know, I, I'm from New York City, um, and I, I had been living and working there. I spent some time in, in London and in Dubai and in Shanghai. And um, just something about being here in, in South Florida and the sunshine around a lot of people who had a shared experience, uh, it seemed to make sense to me. So um, So I stayed here. And, uh, and I, and I found, um, I found a way to, uh, you know, to, to create a new life for myself. Um, you know, first and foremost thing being, being that, that life did not involve any alcohol or drugs whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of, you know, work and business, found a way into the mortgage business and found success in that business, probably be because partly because of having the experience of being in the real estate side for yeah. so many years. Um, you know, understanding the the process, understanding you know the concerns and the and and the needs uh, of somebody in in the process of, of buying their first house or buying a second house or retirement, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, and things just kind of grew from there. What was it like when you helped? You know, I know for me as a as a coach or a speaker, when you can help somebody and they share that with you, it's made an impact in my life. There's there's almost no greater reward than that. But when you help somebody turn their their life completely around, like when you when you helped sponsor somebody or help that first man to become sober, what was that like for you? That experience of 
helping another human being out. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, you just nailed it. That the, the first time that I sponsored somebody, um, it was a young guy. He, uh, he had been in and out of, of, you know, bad situations for most of his life. Uh, when I first met him, he had long hair. He was kind of overweight. He, uh, he, uh, smoked quite a lot. And, um, you know, I worked with him and we, we went through, uh, we went through the book and we went through, you know, what, what, what I had done and, and he, you know, he did it and, and COVID hit while that was going on, the COVID thing hit and it made it very difficult for us to meet up in person. So we found, we found ways to do it. We, we did it on zoom. We did it on, you know, uh, FaceTime, what, whatever we could do, uh, because we couldn't physically get together because of, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and finally he got through, he got through what he needed to do. And we were going to meet up in person for the first time in a few months. And, and I, and I went and met with him and he showed up, uh, driving a car, which he had not been able to do for a long time. And he had cut his hair short and he'd lost about 40 pounds and he quit smoking. And I said, you know, wow, this is incredible transformation. What happened? And he told me, he said, I want to be like you. Wow. And that, oh, that's the most powerful thing that anyone's ever said to me in my life. So that is so incredible. What a great feeling that is. I mean, yeah. let me ask you before you went into the program. So if you go back to 2019, where you felt like you're at one of those lowest points, could you ever imagine having accomplished what you've accomplished in the, in those short four years? I could imagine it, but I could never figure out how to get there. You know, I, I can imagine anything, right? That part, part of, part of the disease of addiction, right. Is, is, is fantasy, right. You, you, we, we get into this, you know, our thoughts are on a million miles an hour. Right. right. And that still is going to happen. The problem is that the addiction gets in the way of you actually achieving anything sure. meaningful. Right. So you can make a lot of money, but you're going to spend it all in 10 minutes. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you can, you can get a great job, but you're not going to keep it. Uh, it, it, and that, and that's, that is, that is the condition. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I could have imagined all kinds of things, um, you know, so that's and an interesting absolutely point. none of them. Well, that's interesting because I, I feel like whether it's addiction or just challenges people face in their life, I, I love what you said that, you know, you can imagine anything. So there's, most people are probably imagining a better life. They just, I think we all need help getting there. Exactly. You know, we're not on a journey by ourselves <laughs> or we shouldn't be. There's right. so many people that will will reach out and help and go above and beyond the call of duty for people. Totally. So, you know, that that kind of brings me up to something that really fascinated me about you. You're you know, you've got this passion for helping people. And, and one of the communities that we believe in helping is the military or the veteran community. And you're involved with a, an amazing organization called the Veterans Ranch. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with them and, and what they focus on? Um, sure. I, I kind of got involved with them um, just by putting myself out there. I, I met the founder through uh, through an online networking group, and uh, and I, I heard what he was doing, and I, and I asked him if he would have what we call a, a virtual coffee with me. And uh, we got on the phone, and you know, I thought we were going to talk for ten minutes, and we talked for two and a half hours. Wow. Uh, and he told me all about uh, the ranch, uh, the Veterans Ranch, and what they, what the mission is, and what they aim to do. And uh, and I was just just floored by it. And and I asked him, I said, "Listen, you know, what what can I do to help you?" And you know, he he named a number of things, and 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 I, you know, one of them was, you know, would you be on, on our board? And I said, absolutely. Wow. Uh, so uh, the board, uh, you know, met and, and voted me on, and, and I've had the privilege to be on it for for about six months now. 
um, and you know, just continue to to do more and more and more to uh, to improve uh, what we're what we're aiming to do. Um, do, do. Can I talk a little bit about about what what the Veterans Ranch is? Yeah, please, because this is a phenomenal organization, yeah. a phenomenal story. So, uh, what the Veterans Ranch aims to do is to to serve veterans uh, to to combat uh, PTSD, which is post traumatic st- stress disorder. Uh, and veteran suicide, which is unfortunately still a, a huge problem, um, and and the way that they do it is by doing equine therapy. So we actually have veterans work uh, with horses. Um, you know, part of the belief is that horses are are one of God's healing animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and horses just just provide you with with such a great um, opportunity to to interact with these these huge things, right? I mean, anyone who's yeah. you know, I'm a kid from the city, right? So so to me, you say a horse is oh yeah, I think of it's it, a little it's overwhelming. Just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've seen a, a police officer in Times Square on one or something like that, yeah. or out, you know, whatever. But but they're 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 these you know these beautiful um, calm sentient animals, right? And and they and they have so much to offer us, right? They they are an amazing companion. Um, they're very thoughtful. They have a lot of personality, um, and uh, they're not necessarily. It's not like a dog where you can go up to most dogs and just pet a dog. It, horses don't. It doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, one, they're they're not as they're not as common, uh, and right. and two, they're 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 a lot more sensitive, right? They they can read you. They can feel your energy. They can they can take in your vibe, and and you know, interacting with the horse and learning to interact with the horse really, um, you know, requires a lot of thought and and can actually change you. Uh, so what we do with the Veterans Ranch, in, in short, is that we provide uh, we provide experiences where where veterans who, who are in need um, get to have experiences with with the animals, and um, you know it begins with with basic you know how to approach the animal, how to how to right. pet their muzzle, things like that, uh, to to learning some basics of grooming the horse, and then uh, and then to begin to learn how to ride. Uh, which again, that's one of those things that you, you don't just get on a horse and go. It doesn't work that way. Um, it's it's a lot. It's Not a like lot, there's a lot more steps to it. Yeah. Now, have you actually been to the ranch when some veterans have been there working with the horses? So one of the things that we're working on is we don't actually have a permanent ranch as of yet. We are working on developing um, developing properties that that we can use full time. So so far, we've only been using. Uh, borrowed or donated uh, ranches. Um, my my sister and her husband. Uh, my sister is a veteran. Her husband is is active duty military, and they actually live on a horse farm. Um, so I have had experiences there on their farm, um, and uh, you know, and I've yeah. seen this, you know, in action. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. Um, we need to get the word out there to help. I mean, we yeah. the veterans ranch can use some help, use some support. To yes, get we can. Permanent locations. Yes, we can. So, so we we actually have been working on a on a model uh, where we're going to be uh, acquiring some property. Most likely, we're going to acquire a property in Texas. Um, and uh, what we'll do is we're going to have a mix of of our charitable operation as well as commercial boarding. Um, probably the commercial boarding will do will provide enough revenue to cover all of the activities of the charity. I mean, the impact you you've got to be hearing stories about the impact it's making on these these service members. Yes. I have a friend that um, a Marine Corps vet who is also a firefighter, and in Minnesota they have they have um, 
in this one area, they have some some horse therapy set up and, and he went out to check it out and he didn't really, well, he was skeptical. <laughs> you know, He didn't think that it was going to do what they said it was going to do. And he said that he felt like the horse connected with him emotionally. And exactly. almost, almost like it was trying to take away that negative energy that he had he said it was really bizarre and and he's a he's a straight shooting guy he just didn't fully believe what he was hearing and then he went there and and credited him with uh with helping him through some of these times just that 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 time he had with the horse he said was very impactful yeah that's i mean that's what we hear over and over and over again and uh you know there's there's plenty of clinical research to back it up as well um that equine therapy is is really um is unique and and effective, and it's it's for multiple things. They're they're actually uh, in in the drug and alcohol treatment world. There are several commercial operators who are who are running uh, equine therapy programs uh, in, for for people. Um, obviously, veterans uh, being a huge segment of the population of, of people who suffer with alcohol and drug addiction. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's sort of it's sort of the it's it's a new thing um, that that well it's a new it's a new thing in terms of being applied to treatment. Uh, people who have known horses and and have been in, involved with them for a long time have always known that there there's something healing about about it. Um, it's something that you know in terms of applying it as a method of treatment this this is fairly new. So can can veterans apply from anywhere? Or do they have to be in one state or yeah, anywhere? Yeah, and any anywhere, and we'll get them to a program. That's great. That's great. And crazy that you've only been with them six months and here's all these stories you're hearing about the impact that it's making. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's just a remarkable. Um, it's just a remarkable program. And, uh, you know, we're not the only ones doing it. Um, we, we aim to be, though. What we want to do is develop a model uh, that we can we can replicate easily uh, so that we can have permanent ranches throughout the United States, at least throughout the Southern, you know, portion where, where the weather is permissible to do it all year round. Yeah. I think here in Minnesota, you'd be limited to maybe, maybe six months out of the year. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that is, that is a challenge. Uh, but, yeah. but because of that, we, we are looking at, you know, placing our, our locations uh, again in, in the Southern portion of the United States and, and near to hub airports where it's easy to get people in and out. So, yeah. you know, we're looking in the Dallas Fort Worth area. We're looking in the Orlando uh, Ocala area in Florida, which which is again major horse country, um, and and that again uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, again another hub airport city, very close to really great uh, equestrian areas uh, where where we have um, we have the opportunity to to do this, and also not the extreme high costs of the Northeast. Sure, is there a is there a specific cost to send somebody through this program right now currently like if and and a backup question to that is can somebody sponsor a veteran to go through the program um there there certainly is a cost i don't know what it is off the top of my head but there we we could figure that out uh and you know in terms of can somebody sponsor it yeah we'll we'll take that or we'll take direct donations right to the charity uh, either for for a specific purpose or just for general funds for operations we'll, we'll take whatever you need the the catch to doing anything with horses is that it's not cheap, right? The the horses alone are are very expensive. Uh, you know the cost for for hay alone, you know, uh, it's for the program could exceed two hundred thousand dollars a year wow. for hay. Um, yeah, it's it's not it is not an in by any means an inexpensive undertaking. Right. Uh, though we we feel that it's 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 I mean, worth it. it. 
Yeah, the impact is so huge. Exactly, exactly. Uh, speaking of impact, I'm also involved with another charity locally here in Palm Beach County called the Impact 100, uh, where we actually pool together to uh, raise money and donate it to uh, charities for children. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so we, impact, we have an event. Impact 100. Yeah. How, so, how long have you been involved with them? I just got involved recently. They, they just asked me on uh, last month. So I don't know how you find all the time and the energy, but it's a good question. Again, <laughs> what's that? It's a good question. Uh, somehow we do it when we're passionate. Yeah. Um, what what attracted you to that organization? How did you come to help out the Impact 100? So, uh, you know, again, this is an organization where uh, it's the, the collective benefit is so much better than than what, what one person can do on their own, right? I mean, obviously, sure, if there's a billionaire who wants to write a, you know, a seven or eight figure check, yeah, that, that, we'll take it, of course. Um <laughs> However, though, you know, if you get 100 people together donating a good amount of money and, and then putting that that effort into into sponsoring, uh, uh, you know, a charitable organization with a specific cause or, or a specific initiative uh, that that, you know, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so we're actually looking at three uh, three local charities that that are all finalists for for the, the prize money this year. And, and each one of them uh, is, is just absolutely um absolutely amazing um so you know we're looking at stuff from uh um you know helping homeless children um with with their needs for clothes clothing um there's a one that that involves uh, children learning about aquaculture um which is uh you know something that is going to help us in the future with uh food insecurity yeah uh, and then you know another one about about telling your story learning about heritage and you know uh, why that's so important that's hugely important. I mean, when I I remember when I went in the Marine Corps, it, within the beginning parts of boot camp, they're teaching you Marine Corps heritage because it creates a sense of pride and and enthusiasm for what you're doing. So, I mean, you're working on you're working on so many great things to help people, whether it's children, the the military community, or people with addiction. But you yourself, you have some pretty lofty goals that that may involve the political arena. And you've done some work in there before. Can you share a little bit about some of those great goals you have for yourself in the political arena and 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 why that has becoming a calling for you? Uh, sure. So uh, I am currently running for uh, Florida State Representative in District 93, which is in the western portion of Palm Beach County. Um, what got me involved with that is I've always been interested in politics and and particularly at at the local and state level, um, because those, those are, you know, roles where, where, um, what you do can really have a great impact on a large number of people sure. and, and do things that, that again, you know, benefit the greater good. Um, you know, I mentioned that, that Florida is seeing a huge influx in population. Um, I was one of those people a few years ago, uh, and, uh, the trend just, you know, continues where, where we're yeah. seeing a huge influx of people, uh, that has, you know, goods and bads to it. Right. Um, the good, we've got lots more people, we've got lots more stuff, we have a very active economy, the bads. Um, real estate prices are, are increasing dramatically. And what that particularly hurts is our workforce, uh, our teachers, our firefighters, our first responders, uh, all the way down to the folks who, who work in, in food service and hospitality, where it is becoming unaffordable for them to live where they need to uh, in order to work. 
And, uh, you know, some of the things we can do to address that is, is from the state level, from the county level, uh, is to invest in workforce housing development, uh, is to invest in uh, preservation of our housing um, to keep people, you know, where they are. Um, and and that, that's something that, that I see in my business that, that I think, you know, there is a major opportunity, again, to, to do more uh, for people. Well, they're, they're probably just as the, uh, the mortgage, the real estate industry is in a, a volatile state in some capacities. Uh, the political arena is too. This is an interesting time to be getting uh, in, into the political arena, tossing your hat in there. Um, you know, when you look at things across the, the country, it's very divided. So um, this is an opportunity, I feel, for politicians to unify people as well. And I think that unification side is is so critical right now absolutely and and my my you know my intro to politics is is that a few years ago um i had the opportunity to uh to work on a on a campaign locally uh for for a friend of mine who's a state representative and um you know help him get reelected uh, i've now helped him twice um on that and i also helped a couple other candidates and uh the the folks that that i that i choose to spend my time with uh, who share my my beliefs are you know what we're all about is is common sense right yeah. we're we're not we're not into any lofty ideas we're not into doing anything radical either on the left or the right side we're we're very much about common sense governments things 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 that make sense for for all of us right you know we we care about law and yeah. order and safety like that's a big deal for us we care about you know that in the schools that we're teaching reading, writing, arithmetic, that that is that is what we need to do in our schools and not get caught up in this quagmire of other nonsense yes. that goes on. So, you know, without without getting into, you know, I, I believe in this or that, it's just simply basic stuff. Right. You know, sometimes it's getting back to the basics, back to the basics. Right. Yeah. That's that's what we need. Um, you know, some of the things that we've done over the past few years, you know, in my lifetime that I've seen that that you know we thought were a great idea that that now we're finding wasn't such a great idea is we, we made a big deal about uh the stem education push quite a yeah. few years ago yeah and and that's yeah so now we created a generation of kids who know how to use uh uh you know microsoft excel but they can't write a sentence that's a problem that's right it is a yeah absolutely yeah so you know we need to get back into into a, a balanced uh a balanced focus on on what we're doing you know, uh, one of my, you know, passions outside of all that is I, I love acting. I love, I love, uh, I, I can't sing to save my soul, but I love to act. I love to, uh, I, I love to go to plays and stuff like that. And and, and that's something that, you know, again, uh, there's a reason why, why we, you know, when I had the benefit of, of having all of that as, as a kid in school um, and, and learning all that and, and seeing all that, and, and that, that makes you a more balanced person, yeah. right? So, so, you know, right. going up on, on the stage in third and fourth grade, it's probably why I'm, I have no qualms about, you know, coming on a podcast and talking to you or getting in front of a group full of people at a town hall meeting and talking about, you know, an issue about, about the water supply, which is a thing we talk about here in Florida. Yeah. Um, no worries about that. You know, you know, it's interesting. Not, oh, good. Sorry. Had I not had that experience as a child, I, I don't necessarily know that I would be able to do that right now. I did not have that, that, um, opportunity as a child, or at least I steered away from it. I was just too afraid to get on the stage. And now I take the stage every day as a, as a speaker and a coach and an author and all those things. And, um, you know, what gets me up there is it's, it's interesting because 
my natural tendency is to not be on stage as a more introverted person. However, when I'm passionate about something, I want to share it. I want to talk to people about becoming greater. I want to talk to people about making an impact, helping out other people. And so then the stage becomes that that platform for that. But if I didn't have something I was sharing passionately, I couldn't share it at all. I think I'd be too scared. you know. But getting up there and knowing you can impact somebody, uh, it's just there's nothing greater than that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it, you know, fr from something that my mother used to say to me as a kid um, was from from those to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and that's something that I keep in mind all the time. Right. So so I, I had the privilege of going to good schools I had the privilege of going to an Ivy League university I had the privilege of going and getting an MBA abroad. Um, therefore, much is expected for me to give back to society. And, and yeah. that's what draws me to politics, because there's no there's no clearer way to have an impact on a wide group of people than, than from government. Well, and it's needed now probably more than ever for us to have people in office that go back to the people side of things. You know, no right. different than in a business. If a, if a business loses track of we're in the people business, if they lose that focus, they'll lose their people. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's um, a large part of what's happened in the political realm over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years is, we're not feeling that the people are the priority as much as the politicians are the priority. So I'm excited for you to run. I'm excited for your victory. I can already feel you're going to get it because we we need more people in there that put people as the priority again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, politics is it doesn't make sense from a business point of view. Right. For, for me to do this, to run for a state representative seat, uh, that that seat pays twenty nine thousand dollars a year. It's going to cost eight hundred thousand plus to to win that seat. Right. So, so it's not a business proposition whatsoever. And, and I think a lot of people look at politics as this way to enrich themselves. And that's just that's just not right. Um, one, you're not going to. Right. Unless you're doing something completely untoward, uh, it's just simply not going to happen. Uh, and, and two, you know, that that's really that's 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 not the point of service. Right. You, you do service for other people because it's the right thing to do, because uh, because that that is going to advance society. And I believe in doing what I can to advance society. I believe that there is an ideal world that we can create it. We will create it. Yeah, we're not there yet. And it's going to take work and it's going to take people like you, like me, like some of our listeners to make an impact, to go out sure. and, and put other people first. You know, I've been asked to run for, for Congress. Um, I've, well, I've been asked by people. They say, you should run. And I say, well, I really like what I'm doing right now. So maybe maybe at some point. Um, but, you know, I got I got bit by the bug. I did. I helped a friend with his campaign out here in Minnesota. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, it's a completely different world. And and yet the opportunity to make an impact is so huge. Totally, totally. And, and you know, look, it doesn't have to be for Congress. It doesn't have to be for state. You know, it, it makes a difference, even even a, a local thing, your town, yeah. your village, your, your, your small city. Um, everything that you do impacts a large group of people, right? Even if it is a small group, even if it's a couple hundred people, you know, you're doing something in service to other people yeah. other than for yourself. Um, it One, it feels good. It, and it's hard to explain that one. It just does. Yeah. Um, and, and, but two, you're, you're just, you're doing something that is improving society. And, you know, there is a way to create an ideal society, right? And, and, and the way we do it is we actually do it, right? Um, somebody once said to me that, you know, the world needs more doers. Well, that's a great thing to say, but why don't you just go do something as opposed to saying it? Do something. Yeah, yeah every, there's a lot. 
there's a lot of things to get a lot of lip service out there and and helping others is one i mean i've i've moved to do something in the inner cities i i feel that for many years i've heard that the inner cities this the inner cities this they need help they need help they need help and i hear a lot about it but i don't see a lot of people doing it and so that's an area that's very important to me i feel like there's an opportunity for inner greatness out there and you know again it's 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 giving back to the communities that it's giving back to the military community through the veterans ranch or you know our foundation we we award scholarships to military spouses um you know at the end of the day when you have somebody say that this made an impact it's it's the greatest reward and and i think that when people stop just focusing on their day-to-day job and 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 the work they do and they help other people to win there's there's just no greater feeling than that you know helping somebody else get the victory is is absolutely phenomenal totally totally you know and it's interesting you you mentioned uh veterans again there are so many things that that are available for for veterans and their families out there already and the utilization is is low it's even very starting with the va loan Totally. What what percent of veterans who are eligible for a loan actually take advantage of it? I, I don't know what the current numbers are, but it's it's low. I I heard one. Yeah, I heard it was. Oh, I can't remember. It was either twenty percent or two percent. It was so bad that here's all these people that have access to this loan, and in some regards, might be talked out of it. Uh, maybe by somebody that didn't understand it or, or doesn't know how to do it or think it thinks it's harder than it is. But you are absolutely right. There are so many veterans, be, be, veteran benefits out there that are are left um, untapped. Just these these resources. So so I'm seeing that uh, I'm seeing different numbers here. It's anywhere between six percent and twelve percent of eligible veterans are using a VA loan to own a home. Six a lot to twelve percent. A lot of work. A lot of work to be done. Well, and that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think when you do work through the Veterans Ranch or we do it through the Think Great Foundation, you know, we're encountering these veteran families um, that they need to know they have access to other things too. So yes, we do scholarships and yes, you help with so many great things through PTSD, um, minimizing the survival or the suicide rate that's out there. Um, but yeah, they they do need to have people exp- explain to them some of these these benefits and, and how simple it is to get. I mean, I have a VA loan on my house, but I was fortunate to have a sister-in-law who was an underwriter and said, all right, here's what you need to do. I mean, that was just, that was phenomenal. Otherwise, if I was speaking to a realtor, a loan officer, whatever pathway they guided me, I would have went because I didn't know. So, yeah. so I, have, I have a question for you. You are the self-proclaimed, you're a, you're a self-proclaimed Renaissance man. <laughs> All right. Can you, as far as the acting goes, can you, can you shed some light on that? I love that name, by the way. Uh, self-proclaimed Renaissance man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's something that, that, uh, that I was passionate about as, as a child. Um, I was involved with a group called Odyssey of the Mind, uh, which I believe is still in existence that, um, that, that does, you know, you, you create a team and you, you do a competition, around a theme that, you know, involves writing a skit and doing a, uh, like a six minute play. Um, you know, did that, I, I did, uh, you know, drama things as a kid in school yeah. and, uh, and, uh, kind of lost, um, kind of lost my way about that as I went about, about life. And, um, um, I don't know, it was something that when I, 
uh, when I when I made the decision to to you know become sober and and I, I had a I literally had a therapist who I worked with and and she asked me to name some things that I I used to like to do that I stopped doing and acting was one of those things. So she challenged me to find a way to to do it, and uh, I went online and I found uh, I found that there was a local uh, community theater here in Delray Beach uh, that. Um, that was holding auditions <laughs> that uh, that coming weekend. So I walked in out of the blue and auditioned for a play that I'd never heard of, uh, and uh, ended up getting cast in that play. And uh, awesome. later I found out that they hadn't cast any new male lead roles in that theater for like five, six years, something like that. So I was the first new blood in the theater for a number of years, That's and crazy. I was thrown thrown into it and. Um, uh, you know, was put in a, did a play called See How They Run, which is a, a British farce, and uh, and I, I had a blast. And and I, and I I was terrible uh, when I started. I was absolutely terrible. Uh, I knew nothing. Um, I uh, I was I was difficult to work with. And uh, I had a director, Randy, who was you know forty plus years of doing it, and he yelled at me every day. And uh, by the time uh, by the time we opened the play. Um, I think I was pretty good. And we did 15. So he was like your drill instructor. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was like a, he was like a, an, an old scary drill instructor screaming at me <laughs> from the back of the theater. Um, and, and uh, and it worked. Um, what, the funny thing is, is he, uh, so, so this was prior to, to COVID hitting and the theater is an old 1930s, uh, I believe 1930s building and it's, you know, it's concrete and, um, uh, our director did not believe in using microphones. Um, he, he, he felt that that sounded like, uh, like listening to a radio program. So he, he wanted us to project our voices yeah. and, uh, you, you know, <laughs> pretty common sense that the audience in a South Florida community theater is largely senior citizens. Right. So sure. hearing, hearing ability is not strong. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, his, his joke was, you know, He's never had a had a had a patron come up to him afterwards and say, "Oh, that was awful. I heard every word." <laughs> so uh, to learn to project your voice, and uh, you know, I'm fr I'm from New York, so I'm naturally loud. Yeah. Uh, but I'm now I'm now louder, and, and I have no issue whatsoever. No one can ever not hear me when I'm in a <laughs> in a public setting. So you know, again, being in politics and going to lots of town hall meetings and events like that, nobody ever nobody yeah. ever has to tell me to speak up. Uh, I've no, got you. You have to learn how to project. I've. Yeah. Uh, I've done plenty of events where you get there and they run into an issue with the microphone. So he, they don't have them. And more I said, no often worries. than not, <laughs> more <laughs> often than not, the microphone, right. whatever the system is, doesn't work correctly. Yeah, so you know, it'd be one of those things you think they would test out more in advance, but you know, you get there and I'm like, all right, that's right. I'm just being tested on my projection skills right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what it is. You, you learn how to speak loudly and, and right. clearly. And, and in my case, uh, I was doing it in a British accent as well, so uh, really uh, an extra challenge. But uh, but it was it was fun. It was really. Well, how would you rank your British accent on a scale of one to ten? Uh, I'm a solid seven, I would say. Okay. Uh, one one of the other actors I, I worked with in that play actually is British, and uh, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, "Boy, you were great. Your accent is so much more believable than that other guy." And I was like, <laughs> All right. I mean, people are going to want to hear it. Can you give us a sample? Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of some lines from the play. Um, um, yeah, can we come back to that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. well, okay. So, so let me ask you this: as you're thinking of some lines from the play, let's just say somebody's listening today that is facing a challenge. They can imagine, like we talked about, they can imagine a greater life for them. Um, what are some some tips you have for somebody that just wants to get their life back on track? Any, and it doesn't have to be with addiction. Maybe they just have financial challenges or depression or or just anything that they're facing, family struggles. For somebody that's just saying, hey, Chris motivated me today. I'd like to take some steps in the right direction. Do you have any any thoughts on that? The first thing that comes to mind is, is to ask for help. Um, if you ask for help, you're going to get it. Right. And that, and that could be asking for help from somebody else. It could be asked, could be praying to God for help. Uh, just asking for help. Probably yeah. the number one thing that I had to learn was to ask for help. Um, probably the number one thing that I was told prior to all of this, you know, in various different jobs and in whatever settings was that, you know, you need to ask for help. And I was always too proud to do it. Um, but ask for help and, and you're going to get it. Um that that's the number one thing. The, the the second thing would be that you know another thing that I've I've had the privilege to experience in the last few years is I've become involved with a program called the Self Discovery uh, Life Mastery uh, Program, and one of the things that we work on is is to get over the addiction to thinking. Thinking is not good. Um, when when we act out of thought, we're we're overdoing it and we're and we get confused. Um, act out of out of heart out of feeling out of belief and that that is how that is how you drive success and results yeah, yeah just that overthinking it i think that consumes a lot of people day to day yeah you know I, I worked with a with a coach many years ago uh who told me something along the lines of in in english we speak at like 150 to 200 words a minute something like that and uh, so we hear about about that speed, but we think at like three thousand plus words a minute. So we're we're thinking, you know, what fifteen twenty times as much as we're actually communicating. So so one, we're having these fantasy conversations in our head um, that that don't exist, and 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 two, we're we're just overcomplicating everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's mm -hmm. simply it's too much. Um, so working out of belief rather than 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 thought. You know, what's there's another one of those cliches, analysis paralysis, right? Yeah. How often, how often does that happen? Especially in the business world, we see that all that's the weird. time. All the right? time, all absolutely. The time. Um, and that's something that you know, I, I know a lot of people who've been in the military, and, and that that's one of the things that successful people in the military often speak about. They overcome the analysis paralysis because you, you can't. You know, it's simply not. It's not an option on the battlefield. It's just it's, not. And I think you know, for somebody that wants to start heading in the right direction. I think personally as a coach, we're gonna we're gonna find more and more people like that. Now that the the full effects of the the pandemic phase are over and we're heading into a new era, I am seeing so many people that are are breaking free of complacency, that are replacing status quo with status grow, that they're starting to focus on their goals again. Because that that two weeks of flatten the curve that turned into two years. Uh, it, I think it had just such a major impact on on people, on their mindset, um, on on their own abilities to go get after things again. So I, I think exactly like you're saying that you know, almost almost we have to get out of our own way um, 
and take those steps forward. Don't overthink them. Start stepping forward and step into this new era because there's so much opportunity out there right now. Definitely, definitely. All right. So before I before I ask you the last question, um, did you think of any lines to, that we could test out your British accent? I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for some that that might be. So so the thing is, I, I played a character who was a uh, he was a uh, a vicar, a visiting vicar, uh, Mr. Humphreys. And uh, the, the play is all about a confusion because everyone in the play is also pretending to be Mr. Humphreys. But I actually was the real one. Um, and, uh, you know, he didn't have a, he was more of a physically funny character than uh, than than um, a speaking funny character. He had yeah. a couple of lines, you know, um, it, it's a farce. So most of the jokes have, have to do with slamming doors and falling gotcha. down. Um, so. Um, and you're still acting. Are you still doing it now? I, you know, I haven't been in a play for a while. Um, I'm definitely still interested in it. I, I just don't have the time. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, that's one of the things that you, you kind of have to realize is that in order to stage a play, you know, quasi-professionally, um, that's a commitment of, of about 20 hours a week for, for at least a quarter prior to the play. Um, so if you think about it, if you're going to do 15 shows in, say, the month of December, you're going to start rehearsing in uh, October every it's a day. Huge it's a huge, huge commitment. commitment. And we already heard earlier in the show how many hours uh, a week are taken up with all the activities you have going on. Well, we, yeah. we may have to we may have to have you back on just so we could do some uh, some British dialogue and hear how good well, you are. Uh, they stayed in the shadows, but shadows are the perfect place from which to watch to see. There you go. That's that, that's that's far better than a seven. <laughs> maybe i think maybe. you're up so, there yeah oh, that's uh, awesome I, definitely you know it's definitely a passion of mine it's something that you know maybe at some point I'll, I'll have more more time to devote to that for right now uh right now it's it's I'm, I'm purely a patron of the arts rather than a than a uh participant but you know what chris you're doing so many great things out there with veterans with kids with first responders i mean you 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 exemplify unselfishness um you know, you know, and it's just it's so great to be around you to hear this energy coming off of you for helping other people that um, I think you've inspired people. I, I think people listening to this are going to get out of their own way, maybe stop overthinking some things and and go out there and, and make an impact in their life and the lives of others. And so on that, I just want to say thanks for thanks for being on the show, for starters, Um you're truly remarkable. Everything you've overcome and everything that you're you're going after right now, the the, the level of impact you're going to make in other people's lives. I mean, you've only scratched the surface on it. If if somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, what, how how can they find you or or connect with you or or even find out some of the resources like the Veterans Ranch if you have their website? What are some places people can go to if they want to kind of follow in your footsteps or reach out to you? Sure. So, you know, the first thing I'd say is you call or text me. My number is 561-774-5096. Um, I put that number on every single piece of my campaign material. Uh, that's something that I strongly believe in. The the people that have taught me how to how to, you know, get into politics, they do the same thing. We we are always 100% accessible to everybody. And it doesn't matter what party you're in. It doesn't matter if you're not going to vote for me. It doesn't matter if you're a liberal democrat. I still want to talk to you. Call me, 561-774-5096. Uh, the Veterans Ranch is the veteransranch.org. 
Um, again, you can call me at that number, 561-774-5096. I'll happily talk your ear off all about it. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, as well as put you in touch with several of the other volunteers who, who work on it, uh, who, who are all, all equally uh, excited about it and, and willing to, to tell you all about it. And, you know, we, we'd love to, we'd love to share the story. Um, that that's, you know, the way that we get the word out is we, we share the story. We are, we are doing some interesting stuff. We're going to be on RFD TV. Uh, we are in, involved with, um, I can't think of the name of it, but there's a, there's a resort group that's going to be airing um, stuff on their internal uh, channels throughout their hotel rooms uh, about it. Um, but you know, we, we, mo we mainly share the story one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, we have some magazine articles coming out as well. Um, I think one of them is called In the Saddle. Um, it, it's just, you know, talks about, about, like you know, the, the equestrian lifestyle and, uh, what, uh, what benefit that has to, to veterans. Well, that's awesome. And Chris, you know, I mean, you're working on so many amazing things. I know we're going to have to have you back on the show just so we could do a follow-up and talk about all the successes. So on behalf of all of our listeners, I just want to say thanks for bringing the energy. Thanks for bringing the optimism, the positivity, um, just, for bringing that right mindset. I, th I think so many people needed to hear that right now as we go into this new era and we're all looking to have our, our own moments of greatness. So thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me.